0: All right, everyone, welcome back to the Guns, Gear, and Beer podcast. I am your host, Derek Campbell. Tonight, I am joined by Adam Peeney of Knights Armament, Nathan from Schultz Photography, and Phil from All That Remains. Thank you guys for coming back on. What's up? What's up? Thanks for having me. So just before we jumped on, uh, Adam was talking about guitars, which is a topic I'm not entirely
1: familiar with. Well, you know what a guitar is, right?
0: It's that stringy thing they go ting 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 with.
1: There you go. Yeah, it's the thing that guys Sweet. pick up pick up chicks with. Well, <laughs> my my experience
0: with guitars extends to Guitar Hero and funny enough, Guitar Hero 2 for the PlayStation 2 was where I first heard all that remains. It was a 6. six.
1: Yep. You know, I got a story about that we get I'll tell you later.
2: Sweet. I'm excited for that one. <laughs> <laughs>
1: But no, it, Well, I mean, it's it's not like a bad story. Like, I it's not like I can't tell you, it's like or like it's uh, too dirty or anything. But, anyways, go ahead. So, I didn't want to derail the conversation. Go ahead.
2: Oh, like we talk about guns all the time, and it it's nice to break mm-hmm. talk about guitars. Like, I'm a huge Ibanez guy, always have been. I got short hands. I love the Wizard neck, and you said that they were trash, and I got very very butthurt about that.
1: It's not all of them. Any any guitar. That comes out of like their legit custom shop. Every manufacturer knows how to make guitar. Okay. So some come better than others. Some are more reliable than others. Some, their quality control is better, blah, 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 blah. Generally, your hockey stick guitars, if you're dealing with something that's not from their custom shop, they're kind of crappy.
2: Yeah. Not always,
1: but a lot of times.
2: I was out in California two years ago. And got a chance to swing over to their custom shop and it was uh it wasn't what i pictured in my mind because most people don't know that lwrc is right down the street from uh paul reed smith so we got to go in there. Maryland. yeah like it's it's a twenty-minute <laughs> drive and we went up there because those guys were into guns a few of us were into guitars and walked through the place and <clears throat> the like where they keep their uh the wood for the guitars is amazing and to go to go from something like that—that's such an amazing definition of American manufacturing—to the small like hole in the wall that the LA Ibanez Custom Shop is, kind of shocking to me. Yeah, I mean, I've never been
1: to the Ibanez Custom Shop, but I mean, the the reason that they're custom shops is because they don't do a bunch, you know. <laughs> so it's a lot of times it's it's you know a couple uh, a couple benches, and that's the custom shop, you know, because the the important part of a custom shop really is the Luther in there that's doing it and and who's doing the work and if they are, you know, and their attention to to detail.
2: Yeah. It's interesting to hear the tonal differences uh, with different wood selection, like mahogany versus basewood or whatever else you're going to (laughs) choose.
1: Yeah. It's funny. Like you're totally right on if you're, if like, depending on the pickups that you're using, because like, I'm a huge EMG fan if you're going to deal with like metal. Yep. So, 77s
2: like, or 81s and 85.
1: <clears throat> yeah, exactly. I like the 81, 85. But you can put e- EMG, 81, 85s onto anything and they sound the same. <laughs> it doesn't matter what the guitar or wood sounds like with, with those EMGs. They just sound like the pickups, which is awesome because the pickups are great. And so you can pick a guitar by how it feels and, and, how it plays and stuff. And you don't, you don't have to worry about, you know, you're taking out how the guitar sounds. You're taking that variable out of the mix because believe me, it's really frustrating when you get a guitar that sounds phenomenal, but you can't intonate it in, in the studio for, for whatever you're tuned to, or for some reason you can't get the guitar to intonate or you can't get, like you can't get the, one of the frets to stop buzzing or something like that. Those small things, the guitar can sound awesome, but something like that can completely and totally take the guitar out of the running to be used at all. You know? So that's one of the, one of the things I like about EMGs when you're dealing with metal, there's, they've got that sound. And when 90% of your set is played with, uh, with distortion, that's the tone to go for. So just, then you can just pick the guitar that feels good.
2: Yeah. I mean, it goes back to like how you build your rifles, different tool, different job.
1: Yeah. Yeah. If I'm playing, like just for playing, uh, I'm, I'm a huge fan of like, uh, of, 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 Fender Strats, American Strats. I think they're great. I love them with single coils. I love them, you know, with the, with the Fender single coils and I love them with, with EMGs in them. So
0: how many uh, guitars do you normally tour with?
1: Very few. Um, we keep things really, really small. And Mike and Ollie actually just recently got these detuner pedals. So used to, they used to have detuner pedals that would, you know, modulate your the tone or with a note. Um, but they were always trashy. They were they you could always tell. Nowadays there's pedals where you literally cannot tell the difference between the processed uh sound and the the original sound. So um and stuff like that technology like that allows you to take fewer and fewer things on tour with you. It allows you to consolidate and and anytime you can consolidate the, the the margin for being a touring musician is very, very, very narrow. We're talking about five and 10% of a margin for, for profit to be split amongst five people. So anything we can do to, to, to cut, cut costs is a big deal to us. So the, usually it's not it's no more than six guitars and two basses and two of the guitars are usually uh, acoustic guitars so they'll have their main live guitar and their and then they'll have a backup guitar for each guitar player and that's it you know so we, we don't we don't have a bunch of gear that goes with us
2: now with simplifying it do you guys run like axe effects or anything like that
1: Uh, they don't, they're not really effect heavy kind of players. Um, there's like, we run like, uh, um, like backing tracks and, and like keyboard effects and, and especially on the new record, we had a ton of processing and stuff. So there's that stuff that we have to run. Um, but effects on the guitars and stuff, it's all, I think our, our sound guy adds a little delay to all these solos, but it's very much just a, just guitars with, with, I mean, they're running, uh, Mike, I think, still runs EMGs. They're both running a OD eight hundred eight pedal in the front into fifty-one uh, Van uh, Fender fifty-one fifty heads, which are just the uh, or what I forget what they're called. I don't. They're the Fender Eddie Van Halen head, and we've oh, used the. the was the, that
2: the PV fifty-one fifties?
1: Well, that was what they were before, but then Fen, Eddie went to Fender, and he's with Fender now, so Fender makes them. Uh Um, and we use Fender, uh, we use Fender because I think Jackson and Fender are under the same umbrella group. Um, and Mike uses Jackson, I believe, or maybe all uses Jackson. I don't remember exactly. Um, but yeah, I mean, basically it's the Brown, the Brown tone. Um, it's the Eddie Van Halen guitar tone that he made famous in the late seventies, early eighties. And when you tune down a little bit and play a little bit of a different style than eddie played that's what that you know metal crunch sound that people are so used to hearing that's what james Hetfield was going after when he discovered mesa boogie and that's what mesa boogies were trying to emulate uh that's why there was always the in the 90s when when mesa boogie came out with the dual rectifier in the early 90s and that's when the uh the original fifty-one fifty by PV came out. There was always that competition from people between the fifty-one fifty or the uh, the the dual rec as to which one was the the better tone. And both of those guitar amps, when it came to their distorted tone, were trying to emulate the Brown sound that Eddie got from his hot hot rodded Marshall. I think it was a JCM eight hundred that he had some dude mess with in Hollywood. <clears throat> so there's my big long triad about guitar tone
0: <laughs> how much has uh, equipment and stuff like that changed since when you first got involved
1: uh recording is is night and day different um i mean your guitars are guitars everybody still looks for vintage stuff um processing nowadays has gotten to the point where it can mimic stuff really really well because when i when i started recording and started in a band we had the very beginning of digital processing that was small and and the very beginning of computers and and stuff so like i saw the change from analogs so the first recording that i did was actually to a at analog to digital tape they look like vcr tapes you don't do that anymore, but that it was an actual tape. It was digital recording. So it was, it was binary code going onto it, but it was on to an analog tape. Um, so that was the first kind of digital. You were, your medium was still tape, but it was in a digital, uh, digital format. So then that was the first recording. And I think we did that up to the fall of ideals. So we did Darkened on ADATS as well. This Darkened Heart, which we recorded in 2004. <clears throat> and the first time we used Pro Tools was 2006 when we did the Fall of Ideals. And the change going from ADAT to Pro Tools is, it is breathtaking. And I think that that that's probably the most accurate description, because that's probably the most accurate description of, of what it what it's like, because I can't count how many times we would be doing something on guitars or whatever, or drums or vocals or whatever, and punching in and out to, to make changes is as easy as hitting the space bar two times. And that was something that used to be a big deal when you're recording to ADAT. You only had so many tracks, and before that, you couldn't, you know, you had to do actual cuts with razor blades on actual tape. And before that you couldn't punch anything. Everything was recorded to two tracks left and right stereo. So, I mean, going to digital from, from, from analog was, was, I mean, it was like going to light speed. I mean, you can record a record now in like a full produced record. That sounds like a, a quality record. You can produce that now in a week. If you've got good players, and access to a studio and all the right mics and all the, the stuff you need. If you have access to all the gear, you can absolutely knock out a, a super pro sounding record in, in a week without without much problem. You know? And and I, I don't think you could do that ten years ago.
0: Yeah, I can see that being a huge difference. And Yosef from Esoteric just jumped in.
1: Hey what's up Yosef?
0: Maybe.
1: <laughs> He's in the group chat. <laughs> chirp
2: chirp chirp chirp. <laughs> Bill, have you taken Maybe any kind of training? Or... <laughs> Pardon me. Have you taken any training outside of like the military, like carbine one, carbine two, stuff like that? Yeah, I've done uh, two different
1: rifle classes, and I did a handgun. done a handgun class. I try to go whenever I can, but a lot of times uh, touring gets in the way. Um, I wouldn't, you know. I I like to do local stuff. I don't want to go and and try and find a, you know, a Haley class to fly to. I don't, you know, I'm not I'm not gonna take a weekend trip and 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 go to go to a class. But there's there's a couple guys or there's a guy uh, named Ian Strembeck who
2: runs oh, yes. Ruination. yeah, guy.
1: Yeah, he. So I've done two hit classes with him, and uh, I did one with a company called MOA. Guy's name's Tyler. He's out of uh, Southern
2: California. Yeah, of course. <clears throat> yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. and I did one of their rifle classes. So I've done some, not a ton, but more than most people.
2: You should travel to a class. It puts a whole different perspective to it.
0: I I hate flying with guns. It's just such oh a pain. God.
2: It's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I, I uh, as a pseudomasticist towards myself. <laughs> <laughs> I've I've only flown with
1: uh, handguns. I've never tried to fly with a rifle, so and it,
2: it wasn't it was a easy. Like, Most people think of it as being super difficult, but like you get a good pelican, you get two locks. Don't need to be TSA locks, which is um, yeah. You just walk up to the gate and it's like, hey, I, I'm checking firearms. They open the case, they look at it, they ask you if it's unloaded, and yeah, you, know, you tell them it is because they don't fucking know what they're and, <laughs> yeah, I'll never forget when I was working at LWRC, we were flying somewhere. We were going out of BWI, and I throw this case up, and it had, like, six machine guns in it. And they're all, like, different colors. You got greens, browns, blacks. Like, they're all Sarakota different colors. And the woman just makes a scene and be like, are those toy guns or them real guns? And I'm like, they're real fucking guns. <laughs> And like <laughs> behind me, just lean outside the line to look like it's really easy. It's really simple. People make it to be more than what it is. It's just like flying with a handgun. You just have your own dedicated case for rifles. And I generally ship my ammo where I'm going. So I don't have to worry about it. Yeah,
1: I wouldn't. I mean, <clears throat> I've flown with uh, with ammo and it didn't give me a problem. They didn't give me a problem.
0: I have a uh, do they have any idea what like an NFA item is
1: or do they care about
0: yeah. that at all?
2: Not a fucking clue, man. A gun's a gun to those people.
1: <laughs> yeah, I I imagine they wouldn't know, but I, I mean, to do it legally, you're supposed to do paperwork and stuff, and I'd rather just travel with the shop's guns and, and use the FFL. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Dude, the best is when, like, like I when I fly, I carry my hand optics or my night vision in my carry-on bag. That's always yeah. fun. We went to NASGW. I had $60,000 worth of fucking, like, clip-on night vision in my backpack. And they immediately pulled me aside, and they're like, "What these?" And I just opened them up and showed them. But, yeah, like, expensive optics and night vision, always put those in your carry-on. There's nothing illegal <laughs> about them that I,
0: I've wondered if, if um, they cared all about lasers, because a couple months ago, I was flying out to some stuff. And I was taking, like, my night vision and uh, my IR and lights and all that stuff with me, and I didn't know if there'd be a problem, if they'd be weird about having a laser with your carry-on.
2: If they had See, any I... idea what it was, they probably would, but they didn't have any <laughs> idea what it was. I wouldn't, because I don't want to have to fucking re-zero my laser from taking it on and off. I'd rather just leave it on, because I don't pay any fucking size or weight penalty by having it on my gun yep.
1: yep. What kind of laser
2: is it? Uh, it was an app I... pal, so... Yeah. Mine was. Hmm. I run like Tech fifteens, D balls, and Balls. I got a I got a couple
1: D balls. I want to get an Aptal because just because it looks cool. Uh, yeah, it's it like look cool.
2: it's like twice the price of a D ball. Yeah, but there there's some better performances. And if you want to go into that, these guys can tell you I'll nerd out for a while. But if you want <laughs> to get off line, I'll explain to you why tech fifteens and aptal Cs are uh, are better than D-Balls, and I own both. Have you got to play
0: at the mall at all yet?
2: No, I yeah, saw that um, thing. I was like, fuck off.
1: I don't even want to know about that thing. <laughs> what, what, it, what does it's it like cost a, like? $2,500. <laughs> Jesus. What, tell me about it now. What is, why is this the new thing that I have to put on my gun?
2: <laughs> uh, in a civilian legal laser, the Illuminator, it blows everything out of the water. Uh, ergonomically, it blows everything out of the water because when you throw your hand up, you don't have to deal with trying to overcome a laser to hit the actuator pad. It's rail level because the uh, lasers offset. You can run a tighter package with running a flashlight. Um, It just wins. It's super easy to change modes, but it's also, you know, you can buy two or three D-balls for the price of one mall. Yeah. Yeah. Many yeah. pesos, <laughs> then that's, yeah. that's why you only need to own one of them, and you can have many, many D balls for everything else.
1: Yeah, I got a, I got three D balls, and that's enough, I think, for now. I would, I, I definitely would buy. I mean, obviously, I think we can all say if money wasn't a thing, we'd all have all the toys. But
2: uh, <laughs> yes, definitely. <clears throat> I just want to do yeah. some. Ba- no backroom LASIK on people. That's all I'm talking about.
1: LASIK's the best decision I ever made. Oh, it's great.
2: I got to get on that. I just, I enjoy poking myself in the eyes every morning with contacts. <laughs> I
1: really <laughs> enjoy sticking
0: shit under my eyelids. It's my favorite. I did it for years, man. Hey,
2: yeah, it reminds you you're alive. But everybody who gets LASIK, preach on it and says it's worth it.
1: It is. I mean, I didn't have to pay for it. So that's, there's that, but. Oh
0: yeah. That's nice.
1: <laughs> I, did, I did commercials for it.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> no uh,
0: joke. That's fine. You do that often. Just hit up a company like, Hey, uh, I'll do a commercial for you. I'm famous.
1: Give it to me. No, I mean, I don't, it was for, it was set up by the radio station in Connecticut that I, that they have since gone out of business or changed formats, but, um, they were awesome dudes and they supported us since the beginning and we got to know them really well. And actually they they even supported us before, like they supported some of the death metal bands that I was in. They played them on their metal show and stuff when I was, when I was really young. So they were buddies and, and uh, they they were like, Oh, you know, we did this for this other guy. Maybe they'll do it for you. And he asked the guy, the doctor and the doctor was like, sure. They, he, they showed him the uh, you know, how much we had, you know, how much they played our stuff and on the radio station. So they knew that there would be an audience that would know. So they were like, yeah, okay. So I did like four or five commercials and they shot laser beams in my eye and i have worn glasses or contacts since. That is sweet. It was sweet.
0: During the break, we were talking a little bit about SHOT Show. Do you, uh, do you ever go to that Phil?
1: I've been to SHOT Show like four times. I've had fun a couple. <laughs> <laughs> i mean i don't have to stand at a booth or anything so that's fun for me i'm it's cool i'll go and hang out and i don't have to go at a certain time so basically it's like you know i just want to make sure that i get there when the breakfast line isn't too long you know so it but it's it's a good time i enjoy it the parties are fun sometimes i've i've been to the cry party most years and they usually go all out last year they had they had boats indoors, <laughs> which is that interesting. Was, that was nuts. That was a crazy party. And that was cool. I, the first year I went, they had the snow, It was the the snow theme party, and uh, you had to get on a, an inner tube and slide down the uh, a, a, a hill made of snow on an inner tube in Vegas. I couldn't believe it. I was like, they actually did it. "This is great." But I I do go. Most years one year I didn't go because I was in Hawaii. That was awesome. Hawaii sounds better. <laughs> Hawaii is better. Hawaii is much better.
2: Not for guns though.
1: No, it's terrible. There's a lot of places that I really like, but I don't know that I could ever live. Hawaii. I could live there. I could, I could go ahead and be like, all right, I'll, I'll just have a shotgun and I can deal with it. Cause it's perfect here all the time. But, uh, um, I, although i will say when you spend some time when you spend a good amount of time there I'm, i i wonder how much the fact that it's an island would get to you because i've spent i don't know probably a couple months out there total and the last couple times i kind of noticed that it was an island you know you kind of <laughs> notice that it's small <laughs> there's only a couple there's only a handful of places you can really go you know
2: so but can we talk about the real possibility of oh meeting? well we lost Bill again uh okay. Wah, wah. Oh, I wanted to talk about the real possibility of meeting Dog the Bounty Hunter in Hawaii. <laughs> he's out here in Colorado. He's in Colorado, bro. Yeah, I've seen him. Oh, man. You gotta go with Jesus, bro. <laughs> 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 and he's back. There he is. Hey, boys. Hey. I'm going to get you a new hamster wheel fucking DSL modem.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty rough. It is. It's pretty bad. I don't know what to do. The, I can't get them to run the, the cable up to my house either. I tried. I can't get anyone on. They're like, oh, you have to talk to our construction crew. And then you call a number and no one ever just answers. You throw
2: money at it. And, like walk up and throw <laughs> wads of cash at their face and they just fix my problem. Fix
1: it. <laughs> Honestly, I have a I have a feeling that like it would be so much work for them that they're kind of, it's that like, they're like, it's one job. It's not really worth it. I have a feeling I'd have to go and talk to my town and get my town to tell the company that they have to do it.
2: I mean, it sounds like you have a new mission.
1: Yeah. Not (laughs) if it's going to fund me. Yeah. Right. If it's going to be $20,000 to get cable internet at the house, I'll, I'll wait. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Just sell more albums and build your own personal tower. You know, people need to remember that albums are actually things that are actually able to be bought. (laughs) (laughs) People forgot that you can actually, you can pay for music. People don't remember that.
2: I can't remember the last time I actually, like, stole music. Like, ever since, I don't know, it's always been, at least for the last, like, four or five years, I just buy it on iTunes anymore because of the convenience factor.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's just easier. A lot of people do that, but a lot of people also do... uh, they get like a subscription to like Apple music and then whatever they want, whenever they want, or get a a subscription to Pandora. The streaming services are, are huge, huge business and the, you know, the, the musicians and the writers, the artists and stuff, they uh, they've gotten kind of left behind because they, they don't have the ability to, to collect that stuff yet. So it's, it's getting fixed now, but streaming services are where it's at. People, just go ahead and say okay i'm gonna subscribe for 10 bucks a month or whatever to pandora or apple music or whatever and listen to whatever they want whenever they want hey you know at any time so and you guys but, don't get a cut of that i'm not even 100 percent sure how it works they i think the label gets a cut of it and it's a really small amount of money but over for a label it's big money because it's all of their artists over time whereas for a band it's not big money um but I don't know a lot about it, honestly. It's 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 still a fairly new thing. I mean, Spotify and, and stuff are, have been around for what five or six years now. So, I, I don't know exactly how how the uh, the royalties and stuff works for for that kind of stuff. But it's definitely not like records record sales. I can tell you that. So,
0: so if you like a band, go out and buy their album. Yeah, Everyone buy their
1: to. buy their record. Go to their show and buy a shirt. That's definitely the way to support support bands
0: awesome awesome i think we will wrap up this segment here tonight thank you guys for coming on again i had a blast tonight cool this guys was really fun thank you for coming on phil just taking time out of your busy schedule to come hang out with us you're welcome to come back anytime you're bored and you're some bullshitting on the internet <laughs> <laughs> sounds good before we wrap up adam where can people go and find you
2: you can find me uh first off adam peeney from night's armament um i'm gonna give you the same spiel as the last one uh, you can yep. find me at Night Co on Instagram. You can find Nights Armor there. Uh, you can email me, api and i, at com, Or you can check out my personal Instagram with adam underscore p i n i. Awesome. Nathan, where can people find you? Uh, you can find our website at uh, www.schultz photography.com. Or you can find us on Instagram at schultz photography underscore. That's
0: where we got all the stuff out. If you need someone to take cool pictures of your cool tactical toys, Nathan is the guy to go to.
1: Definitely. And Phil, where can people find you on social media? I am Phil that remains on just about everything on Twitter, Instagram. Uh, I think I'm even Phil that remains on Snapchat. Uh, So yeah, look me up. Awesome. Awesome. And my name is Derek of
0: MoGuns.com. M-O-E-G-U-N-S. As Adam likes to point out, we sell shitty t-shirts and patches. Be sure to go there and check it out to support us and support this podcast. Thank you, guys, and we'll see you next time.